0: All right, ladies and gentlemen. It's not Saturday. It's not Tuesday. But it's Thursday, and we're here for another episode of the MSP Initiative. Today we have Corey. And if you haven't watched, you know, your various news channels or you know your late night uh, television and seen the PC Matic commercials, I have. This is uh, this is who we have on today, Corey from PC Matic. Corey, why don't you introduce yourself to the audience?
1: Yeah, thanks, George. I appreciate you having us. Uh, my name is Corey Munson. I'm vice president of sales at PC Matic. Been with the company for fifteen years now. The company itself has been around for 20 years. We've got 50 employees. We've always been a virtual work from home company. So we don't even break stride in times like this. We just go full steam ahead. But it's great to be here.
0: I didn't even realize you guys were around for that long. I mean, I feel like PC Matic, you know, not to get, you know too deep here. But I feel like PC Matic was more residential, like consumer-based for a minute, and then kind of pivoted to commercial? Or do I have that math wrong?
1: You're definitely right. It's a common misconception about where we're at as a company now. To give you some of the backstory and some of the old-timers listening in might might appreciate this, Uh, the company was founded by a gentleman who was formerly a senior vice president at Gateway. So if anybody listening in, maybe their first PC was delivered in a cow-spotted Holstein box once upon a time, Uh, he ran sales, marketing, and support at Gateway when it was at its peak. And I was part of his organization there. Many of our original employees that worked for us uh, worked worked for him there. So we definitely were founded and started with that that, kind of consumer feel and consumer focus. But it's been maybe the last five or six years, we shifted into the channel, launched a B2B product, and we do all of that business direct. So we do a, a ton of business with our MSP and MSSP partners right now.
0: understand. Well, that's uh, very interesting. Corey, where, where are you based physically, out of curiosity?
1: I'm actually in Iowa. So we've got a, a nucleus of of employees that were tied to Gateway, which was a big Midwestern company. Uh, They're still in the Midwest, but we've got folks scattered all across the country. Big pocket of people down in Myrtle Beach. That's where our CEO is. So we've got a lot of developers and some support people that are down there around him.
0: Wow. I mean, Iowa, lots of corn these days. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Lots of
1: corn. It's getting tall. And uh, even a pandemic can't stop the corn from growing around here. So things are good.
0: 100%. Uh, So you know, let's, let's today's topic, right. I mean, we've been, you know, really, you know, since March, twice a week, we've, we've pulled different people in from the, the various parts of the channel community here. And, you know, obviously work from home has been, you know, pretty reoccurring theme. Uh, one, one may even say uh, talked about so much, there's nothing left to talk about. I'm not sure. Uh, there's, you know, obviously a lot of gut feelings, a lot of speculation, a lot of guessing, And so today it sounds like we have a little bit of the opposite, right? We actually have some math. So I'm curious to hear, you know, what you guys have put together. And I'd love to understand, you know, how we take that information and make it useful.
1: I appreciate that opportunity because it's, it's a conversation we've really been trying to facilitate and drive because we, we think the end result is these are opportunities for our MSP partners out there. If we can get our hands around this, uh, and really understand how to best approach this collectively that's vendors that's MSP partners. I, I think there, there is an opportunity there and, and what really set the stage for us trying to figure this out from a, a numbers standpoint was, you know, we had a conversation with Jay McBain from Forrester last week where Jay talked about how we really moved past this triage phase of moving everybody to to home and MSPs were on the front line of making that happen. And they've, Enhance the the brand itself by making it happen. But now we're in a new stage of it's the, I'm going to call it the coming to grips with the reality that maybe somewhere between 30 and 40% of those that have moved to work from home are never going to go back to the office. Wow. And where, do, if, where did
0: that number really come from? Was that? You know, you know
1: I've, I've seen it. I've seen a number that, that was as high as 60 to 70%. Now, you start to get there and you start to wonder just how accurate that is. But um, in bouncing that 30% off of Jay, he seemed to agree that that's where, where uh, this is probably going to be. And if that's the case, and then if we step back and, and look what happened in the wake of the mass migration to work from home, there's big security holes there's big opportunity to, to support those folks. And the, the end result is we did a survey in mid-May, sent it out, kind of blasted it out across the universe, very unscientific, right? Got about 6,500 results back and it painted a, a pretty interesting picture of what now those people are faced with, with work from home. So we can dig into those details, but that itself, I think is, as we unpack that, that's where we see these big MSP opportunities laying, laying in wait.
0: So these results that you got back, the people who, you know, listen, I don't want to get super political, but nope. polls are often, sometimes the data behind them are skewed, right? So um, the 6,500 plus people who responded to your survey, they're business people, home people, business decision makers. I'm just trying to get a, a kind of feel for who responded to it.
1: Great question cross-section of all of the above. We didn't approach it from a scientific standpoint, so we weren't looking at representative samples or anything like that. So we recognize the, the inherent flaw in a survey that's not scientific. But the interesting part is we've seen similar surveys from Trend was out with one, Kaspersky's been out with one, even IBM has been out with one recently that backs up exactly what we found. So there is some consistency out there. To the numbers we, we saw, which I think again just uh, really solidifies the fact that this there's some need here, and I'm not sure anybody fully understands how to how to best address it.
0: Okay, so why don't you give us you know the the important takeaways then from this you know seems like num you know numerical trend right across all these surveys. Uh, I think generally speaking, the MSPs understand. They're going to have to, or have already, or in the middle of getting their hands dirty um, with, you know, stuff they normally would say, "Nope, I'm not doing it." Uh, specifically with home networking, specifically with executives working from home. How do you secure stuff? The shared computers with the, you know, the home, you know, uh, education thing happening and about to restart again in the fall. So, like, we've talked a lot about all of these topics. So, I'm curious to see where your data falls on top of that.
1: Yeah, let's get into the numbers. And then I definitely want to have a conversation around what you're talking about. I was just on a session prior to this where it was another one of these conversations about, yep, we realize this is an issue, but nobody is stepping forward with real answers about how how to address this.
0: Yeah. So I'd, I'd love I think, to dive into that. I think duct tape and bubble gum so far. As much so as far. I
1: can. But go ahead. It. Let's hear it. Here are a couple of things to think about. Number one, of the 6,000 plus, of those who said they were working from home are using their own personal devices. And that has, again, those other surveys I referenced, there's a real consistency to that. More than half of these people are plugging in from their own devices, which security professionals, any MSPs, MSSPs out there see that as a giant red flag. Heck, they were probably aware of it too. Um, You know, I've, I've heard anecdotal stories about, it was a rush to make this happen. Sure. I've, I've heard stories about people packing up desktop computers from their office into their trunk and taking them home. And they've been without, ta-
0: without telling the MSP or IT department. Let me tell let me, let me double down on that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So th- that alone, I mean, we could set all the other numbers aside that we came up with, but the fact that 60% of these people are plugging in at home with their own personal device is pretty, pretty alarming. And underneath all of that, I think there are any, any number of issues. Um, we, we had a panel discussion two weeks ago with a, a friend who's an MSSP here locally in Iowa. And he, he said, you know, think, think about it this way, Corey. Security traditionally has been built around castle doctrine, right? You take everything that's valuable, you build up walls around it and protect it. He said, well, what happened in March was you had a big subset of people who basically took everything that was valuable and loaded it onto their kid's laptop and took it home and plugged it in.
0: You're not and wrong. That's,
1: you know, that, that's kind of cutting right to the chase, but that's what we're faced with right now is a lot of these people are, are working on personal devices and that in itself glaring red flags for everybody.
0: For sure. 60% though, I mean, that's higher than I thought. I, would, I thought sub 50, but the fact that we're above 50, 60, maybe even a little bit higher than that, if that's the case. That means that the majority of people don't have a device that was meant to be work for business use. So. Oof. Exactly.
1: And, you know, let's, let's think about the economy and, and how that's going to turn. Is is that going to change? Do you have companies that are now equipped to go out and purchase a bunch of laptops to replace these 60% that are relying on personal devices? I would guess we're going to have a lot of companies that say, we, we don't have the budget for that. We're going to have to figure out a way to make, make this work with these personal devices. Uh, whether it's ever gonna be a perfect solution or not, I, I, I don't know. But I, I kind of doubt, I mean, that, that anybody's gonna magically find the, the money to go uh, you know, purchase a couple of hundred laptops.
0: It's that or it's a pivot to a virtual desktop. Right, virtual that's server. the other
1: option, you got it. So, so that's the uh, one of the first things that jumps out. The next thing is, and, and this goes directly to the MSP opportunity, Fewer than fifty percent, less than fifty percent, said they are getting any type of IT support from their employer. Hmm. So, so they're on their personal devices, and fewer than fifty percent say they're getting any IT support from their employer. So these these folks are out there flying blind.
0: Interesting. So we had a uh, we had a gentleman that's like you know Mister Co Managed IT for lack of a better term. And uh, he mentioned that there's a large uptick in internal IT that are understaffed or had headcount cut that are reaching out to people in the MSP space to augment because they just don't have the resources to handle the influx that the level one requests coming through uh, from their from their employees at home. Right, usually. You know, you would think the internal IT when they're, you know, pre-COVID time, right? They have a trickling of issues that come through like any help desk. But I guess that flood that came through where MSPs kind of satisfied that mountain that went up and then came back down, Your your results are telling me that the internal IT departments never just never got to it, never got through it, never dealt with it. They kind of just left it out there.
1: I think that's the case. I don't think it's universal, but I think there's definitely a gap here and whether, whether that IT staff is going to be able to, to step up and come up with a way to, to better support those uh, folks at home, who knows, but I think it, it definitely presents the, the question who's going to fill the gap and is there anybody better equipped than an MSP to step in to either co-manage it or, or take it over and are are there solutions and bundles that are ready to go to to provide for that? But again, people, a lot of people working on personal devices with no IT support at home is is not a recipe for for a good uh, outcome here so far.
0: No, no, I don't. I don't think anyone. I don't think anyone disagrees. Right. I just don't think right. anyone knew the actual numbers and where the opportunity lied to pivot. Right. So let's hear. Let's hear what you got next.
1: So here's the other other one that stands out, and we can get into some of the granular stuff. But it was well north of 60 to 70% of these people are saying that they're not getting any additional cybersecurity awareness training while they're at home. So obviously we've got a subset that are saying they get no IT support at all. Maybe it's not a surprise that they're not getting any type of training beyond, let's hope they had some when they were in the office, right? But now they're at home, they're getting even less. And, and we know in some cases there's, it's not even speculation anymore that these, these folks are going to be targeted at home. So if they're not getting any additional training on what to be looking for from a fishing standpoint or, or otherwise, again, um, I, I, th- I think it creates a, an opportunity to, to fill, fill a, a gap there.
0: Yeah, cybersecurity training is a very interesting one, right? Like there's programs out there and there's, you know, some vendors, you know, I'm not trying to pick out on anyone, but there's several vendors in the space that help with this, you know, kind of gap, right? That they're trying to fill into their stack. Um, A lot of cybersecurity, you know, also does the phishing uh, simulation tests, right? To find out who's like, you know, the guy that doesn't hover over his links and just, they got him. Um, There's absolutely no question that, um, all the security people that we've had on have said, there's been a huge, huge, whether it's state sponsored or just some dude in his basement, there's been a huge influx of, of targeting COVID scams, the IRS scams with the checks. And then even just office 365, you know, Hey, I'm going to, it's a one drive link. And then all of a sudden it's actually a spoof. So it's very intriguing that, um, it sounds like, again, nobody went back and said, Oh, by the way, hey, you, know, the castle, you said back to castle doctrine, right? Um, oh, by the way, you're at home now. There is not enough protection. And now, by the way, we're also not giving you enough you know, education or reminders to not click on the bad thing, not go to the bad site, not click on the bad email link. So very interesting. Um, generally speaking, though, there's still a huge gap with businesses even doing any of that education normally.
1: Right. Oh, absolutely.
0: 2020. That seemed to have been a big hole anyway. Uh,
1: No, no doubt about it. Last last fall I was out at a conference and I, I won't, I won't name names or say where I was had a gentleman that came up after I presented and and said, "I, I just took over it. Um, and for a, a large corporation, we've got nearly 100,000 employees. He said one of the first things I did first week on the job was I decided to roll out a a, fish, a fishing simulation test to see just exactly what I was dealing with. He said he had 25,000 people click on the test. So, you know, and, and again, everyone can do the math to figure out what that means for the organization of their size. But it, it speaks to the fact that the need for trainings there. You know, we obviously focus on endpoint security, and and we believe we're a critical piece of the stack, but we're not naive enough to believe that training's not also necessary, that backups not also necessary, and and training. Um, there's been a lot of talk about it, but the gap is still there. You're exactly right.
0: Yeah, I think I think a lot. Largely, there's been a huge focus on it in the last eighteen months in MSP land, um, and you would think the vendors that offer this service specifically packaged for msps would see a lot larger adoption but there's still a long like usually it's packaged with some sort of uh dark web monitoring or something like that i don't know if you've seen that but um, it seems like there's still hesitance on making that just part of the solution for some reason
1: I, I think you're right and here here's one I'll throw at you and I'd love to get your feedback on uh, one of the one of the things I've I've found interesting is at the, at the onset of the, the outbreak, right, we got a lot of requests from chambers of commerce all over the country, and I'm sure you probably did too. Hey, will you come in and present on best practices for these people working from home? And like any good citizen, right, we stepped up and we did it. And I, I made the list of 10 and I presented. But after doing about half of those, I, I found myself thinking, what percentage of people that are listening in can actually go implement anything I just suggested? I mean, from something as basic as changing a router password, right? Uh, I mean, it, all of this at home being built around Wi-Fi networks where the password in a lot of households is being shared with every neighborhood kid in 20 miles. So if we can at least help these people understand how to go secure that element of what they're logging in from there or what their, what their network is at home, Um. I think that's the other side of training. It's not only the awareness piece, but also we are going to have to figure out how to go train these people to support themselves at home. If IT is not going to step up and do it, if the MSPs aren't going to be asked to do it, or or hopefully they will, we're going to have to educate these folks about what to do beyond just what kind of emails to avoid and what not to click on. It's uh, kind of operationally from beginning to end how how to protect themselves at home.
0: I saw a funny on Facebook the other day where um, it was like one of those memes and uh, somebody unplugged their router and the people across the street flipped out.
1: Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I, I think there's a lot of that. And I think it's an interesting discussion of, it, this was a topic that was on the session I was I was on previously, was, is this a matter of people at home are not willing to do this? And there are, you know, I've seen some articles out there suggesting that's, that's partly the case. Or are they not able to do this stuff, right? Um, yeah.
0: low, lowest, low-hanging low fruit, lowest common denominator, weakest chain in the link. I mean, we can say it five different ways, but yeah, if I'm just driving down the street and I'm logging into people's home home routers, <laughs> that's uh, right. It's probably the easiest thing you can do, right?
1: Right, exactly. So I think this is part of the challenge for MSPs that I'll will throw out there is if your if your intent is to go after this this gap, is to is to be able to go after it with a bundled solution that's going to include everything from cybersecurity awareness training to training, or even, I guess, rolling a truck and helping them actually go into the house and and fix all this stuff up, making sure that you've got visibility to the endpoints, making sure whatever antivirus they're running is is patched and up to date, there's a lot to it. And I think business owners, especially the, the SMB community, is going to be very open to an MSP that will walk in the door with a bundled solution that says here here's how i'm going to help you enable business continuity i know you're worried about making payroll i know your entire workforce is at home and there's no sign of them coming back to the office soon here's how we're going to make sure that we can keep you keep you operational hmm. i i think that's you know it, who figures that out and figures out that ideal bundle and how that fits into a security stack, um, it, it, that's, that's who's going to take advantage here.
0: I agree, 100%. What other cool stats did you get from your survey?
1: This one's kind of disjointed from the other numbers we threw out there, but again, we looked at those that said that they were using personal devices Mm-hmm. It was nearly 70% said their employer did nothing in terms of issuing any type of security software, any type of antivirus software for them to take home and, and run on their personal device. Now, maybe, maybe it's a gig- gigantic leap to assume that that would have happened. Mm-hmm. But again, you've got a lot of companies knowing that these people are plugging in with personal devices and not even taking a step to make sure that those devices are, are secure in even a real basic way. I mean, how many of these, per- this is the, the, the fascinating thing to get to at some point, is how many of these personal devices are running outdated security software that hasn't had signatures updated in how long, right?
0: All sorts of stuff. This reminds me of my college days. Um, when I first went to, you know, Philly guy, went to Drexel University, um, and they were one of the first school, uh, higher education, you know, where you had to have a lab, every, every person had to have their own computer. Right. This is. Um, and so when you logged into the dorm network, you had to run this sk- like the, you logged into a web page. It ran the scan on your computer and they wouldn't shift you from the boxed network. Right. The segregated network that you started on to the real Internet, you know, enabled network unless you pass the test. Right. And this is going back to their you know, 2000s here. If, you know, It's very interesting that this is these basic checks aren't being done from a corporate level either. Right. I think that that's, you know, you think about that, that, that was a methodology back 20 years ago. It's very interesting now where it's like, these things aren't even being done before they log into the shared intranet portals. You know, even if, you know, they're logging into a virtual desktop, there's still things like key loggers, right. There's still things, you know, that, that can capture those, you know, those logins. Um, And so the idea that the home computer is, you know, okay, even if it's in, you know, not in perfect shape, it's probably a flawed thing right
1: i think it's definitely the case and and i think going into trying to research this and 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 look into it further my assumption was maybe this is exclusive to smaller companies that just had to rush into this and, and just have to, have to get it done i i listened to a panel discussion last week that involved three it directors for for banks in the Midwest. And to a person on that discussion...
0: Can I pause you? Can Next time yeah. you're on that, can you ask them where's all the change? <laughs>
1: yeah, I why, will. Where are
0: all the coins at? Why do I, I got to like, you know...
1: Yeah, I just heard about this. I don't completely understand it, but I heard apparently there's a massive shortage on change, which... So,
0: I mean, don't know why, but okay.
1: Most of it's under my front seat of my car, I think. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. so... Anyway, Anyway. Ahead, so,
1: panel. so to a person on this panel, and these are IT directors for pretty prominent banks. They talked about the fact that they were sending their employees home without corporate issued devices and they're working on personal devices as well. So I went into this panel discussion kind of hoping that I was going to hear a different story from these guys versus what maybe the small and medium sized business owner that was in a desperate uh, uh, time had to do. But but these are guys you figured would have had this figured out and everybody was was going to have a corporate issued a uh, company issued device to go home and plug into
0: hmm. and
1: they were given real world examples of where that isn't the case that their employees so were they at home they like.
0: have they, don't they have like finra or they have compliances of some sort financial ones right socks
1: you know you heard rumblings right about compliance issues were kind of uh maybe moved to the side a bit in some cases You know, I don't want to get into that because I don't know enough about it or what actually happened in those cases. But I I think the rush um, left behind some pretty significant holes out there. And it's not just limited to to small companies that had no other option.
0: I better double check my bank account balance.
1: Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, no kidding.
0: Uh, I didn't think about that. But if three CIOs are telling you they didn't have the answer, then uh, that's a problem.
1: Well, you know, they, they did follow up by saying that the board uh, now gave them clearance to go ahead and go out and purchase new laptops for everybody. And, well, great. How many companies have that luxury now or have, have the money sure. to do that? So I think that's going to continue to be uh, an issue. I think the, the other thing, and, and I'd love to hear your feedback on this part of it, is as we attempt to fill this gap, wh- where does the – who draws the line? about supporting these personal devices at home. And if I'm an MSP that is troubleshooting uh, on behalf of uh, a customer, and that customer wants uh, you as an MSP to troubleshoot for those employees at home, if those employees at home are using personal devices, is there a line that can't be crossed about just how far we, we've got privacy issues to unpack there. T- to well, me, I think maybe go, go yeah. ahead.
0: No, there's, there's three different thoughts on this. And we had Brad gross on early in the uh, MSP initiative uh, series. He was on two sessions. And number one, a lot of people wrote into their MSAs. Hey, I- I'm not touching the home stuff. It's not right. supported. It's not covered unless I'm, I'm, I'm throwing you a bone, all right. Just to help you out. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which sometimes the CEOs, you know, home computer or whatever, but you know what I'm saying? Like no, other than a very slim exception, Um, The home devices were excluded from the MSA, So there is definitely a wrinkle where people started to say, all right, well, if I'm forced to deal with this for the long term, you know, do I, uh, there's got to be some sort of financial component, right? Because there's two parts to this. There's a liability standpoint, and then there's a cost standpoint. On the cost standpoint you know, pin an ass tax, if you would. Right. But just, you know, these machines are the ones that take the longest amount of time. They're, you know, it's like, it's like the person calling in on a 10 year old machine that's refused to upgrade. And all they call about in is that their computer's slow. Like how much can you do at, after a certain point, right? It just is what it is. Uh, But at the same token, to your point, you know, like the company has to have certain conversations around, Hey, if you're, going to use a home computer what's company protected data versus personal data because there's supposed to be a privacy barrier to your point there and then the other component is and i'm sure time is the third angle here some people probably didn't think that like there's there's this question there's still the question mark right how long is this going to continue right so if somebody said hey it's a 90 day thing maybe they skirt right obviously we're past that so now the question is are we into this time next year is there another six months of this? Is there another year of this? So there's these three triangle points that we're all trying to, you know, fill between. And I think part of the problem, Corey, is that the business decision makers of these companies, right. You know, like, Hey, let's take aside the fact that I'm worried that my business is going to still be in business. Cause that's a real still, that's still really a concern. Right. But putting that to the side for a second, these people aren't, Educated, I think, to a large degree, to you know, to put these policies in place, to put these um, protections in place, both legally, both you know, to to follow the laws to protect their people, to protect them. So there is surely, you know, you said there was an education gap on security. There's definitely an education gap from a business uh, decision making standpoint. They just don't know what they don't know.
1: It's definitely true, and here here's a challenge that. I came up against last week, and and this speaks to that that gap, I think, is we still have MSP partners that want to go out there and approach end customers and talk speeds and feeds. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that we've been advocating is that's not the conversation that these these people want to have. There may be some. There may be some that are very tech savvy and want to understand exactly how you're going to protect them. But the majority are worried about, again, hitting payroll. They're worried about business continuity. And they want to know that it's being taken care of and that their employees that are sitting at home logging in for the last three months are going to be able to do that securely. So if you can approach them as as an MSP and give them that confidence that that will all happen, they don't really care how the sausage is made. They don't care what's a part of your security stack. Um, And there may be exceptions and maybe you'll tell me I'm I'm wrong on that, George, but I, I found it fascinating that we still have, that, that tendency to want to go out there and talk speeds and feeds and and talk about how the sausage is made. I, I, I think I, we, we I, need to talk more kind of holistically. Yeah,
0: I, I think that the people, like peer groups are great, by the way, because they kind of educate people on how to run their own businesses as an MSP. Uh, but to that point, um, there's definitely an absolute point to you saying they don't care how the sausage is made. But when the marketing gets broken down in, at the end of the day, like if you said, "Hey, we got this covered, it's part of this stack, it's included." And then when push comes to shove, it fell down, and the marketing story just evaporated. That's when you see people bailing. That's when you see people looking for, you know they cut their, their provider, they move to another one, right? So there's definitely a fine line between, hey, don't get too granular, but also making sure that you're not overpromising on the delivering too because that will come back and slap you in the face.
1: No, it's a great point. It's an absolutely great point. So I think, man, you keep bundling all this together, and I, I still am a firm, firm believer that this means there, there's opportunity. If you listen to the Jay McBain's of the world or some of the forecasts, it's ugly. I mean, they're talking about maybe mid-next year, things coming back around. Um, I think the one thing that Jay – Enforced or say is that that, that will potentially be flat our managed services and he points to security so mm-hmm. i i say take that and double down on the fact that the work from home gap is there that that is that is the place to to fill right now um and it, it's
0: have, a it's a challenge so to, to jay's point i have not talked to jay yet and it'd be it might be interesting to try and get him on but um, I did see something, uh, Jay put out there like literally today or yesterday online saying that, um, it was going to be like a 17% decrease in, in either revenues or just straight up, uh, new business or existing business fallout. All of that combines a 17% drop from, you know, that 2019 going into 2020, going into 2021. Right. So that line's pointing down according to Jay.
1: I believe um, so. Yeah. And he talked about the recovery and, and, I apologize to Jay if I get this wrong. He talks about the recovery being more U-shaped than it is going to be V-shaped. Um, and, and one of the things I, I hoped he would do when we talked was talk about, well, give us some silver lining here. What do you, what do you think under all of this could, could help sustain some MSPs that that want to hang in there? And, and he did. He pointed to um, security as maybe being one of those things that will – will be flat there'll still be a dip um, but it's not going to be the radical dip of 17 percent overall that number scares me because if you look at
0: best-in-class msps right they say best-in-class msps and again i'm gonna you know hopefully quote properly right uh, paul Dipple, service leadership everybody's probably heard mm-hmm. of him so he says best-in-class msps are doing 20 percent to the bottom line and above if you can lose 17 <laughs> percent, it trickles down to that number that's a very small margin of error there to stay okay
1: right well and and I think this we've had a lot of conversations with partners lately and, and part of part of what i 've heard, and this is from both existing partners and, and new, is that they're also taking the time to kind of tighten their own belts and figure out, are we as efficient as we can possibly be to survive this for sure and we've straight up had the conversation about, hey, we like your approach to security, we like what you're doing, and it seems to be an easy lift and it's more economical. There are others out there that are great solutions, but they, it takes a lot of resources, it takes a lot of time, it, and it costs more, quite frankly. So if you can provide me you know, what, what I need, especially something that services this, this work from home market better, or installs on a personal device and gives me some visibility there, it seems like day by day we hear from partners that want to want to tighten their belts and ride this thing out. And they think there's a more efficient way to do it than what they're, they're currently doing. So I, I hope that that is happening because I, I think it'll allow many to weather the storm that unfortunately we're going to lose a lot along the way. And I think we all, all realize that, but there's also some that are going to be smart about it too
0: sure. What else did you have in your survey? Anything good?
1: You know, those are the the, the big, big highlights. Um, our plan is to do a, a follow-up and, and really try to drill down and, and look at this at a more granular level and do some, some breakout by verticals, things like that. So uh, I, I would just encourage to see that there are other surveys that back, actually backed this up. Um, and I will be very interested to see how this evolves over time. You know, do we see some improvement? Do we see, uh, people getting their hands on more company issued devices, things like that.
0: So, so let's pivot for a second. Then, you know, since we got the main four or five things out of your three or four things out of your survey, um, and listen, we've talked about security a lot. I don't want to, you know, go too far into the weeds, but there's a lot of argument right now on what's better. I mean, like, listen, I think universally everybody agrees on a layered security approach, right? There's no one perfect answer. There. But there's a lot of um, questions around whether the SOC seem security as a service that used to be so expensive, wasn't even in the conversation that's now come down to earth versus endpoint security, which listen, for the guys that have been in the business, I've been here for a while, Symantec was in the beginning, right? And then like, you know, over time, you know, there's all these different, you know, security vendors came down right and you got like the e and the vipers and the Kasperskys. to your point you mentioned them earlier you know like where do these two theories kind of intersect or is any one lean to the left or to the right i just i'm curious i mean i think i know what you're gonna say but i'm gonna say ask it anyway <laughs> like where where is the fine line here
1: you know, again, thinking from an opportunity perspective, and that's what we're always trying to do on behalf of our partners, right? I mean, obviously we're heavily invested in the endpoint side of things. Mm-hmm. Is there a place for everything else at the table and part of the stack? No doubt about it, absolutely. But I, I think there's also the recognition that maybe the endpoint side of things has been overlooked to some degree. Um, and, and maybe some of the basic blocking and tackling that's out there has been overlooked. I mean, the foundation of our endpoint product is all based on zero trust, default deny, right? If something attempts to execute on a system that we've got an agent down on and we don't recognize it as a known good, we're gonna block it from, from executing. If you look at NIST, if you look at the forthcoming CMMC stuff, which that's a separate conversation for MSPs should be having. I mean, all of these standards now mention this as something that should be included as as part of any really solid security approach. And most people have have avoided it because it seems like a, a giant pain, right? Um, they don't want don't want the obligation of of having to deploy it or manage it on a go forward basis. So, my my sense is there are a lot of moving parts out there. There's no doubt about it. Everyone's going to say they've they've got the the answer my suggestion is it's still going to be a layered approach but you're going to see more and more of a focus at the endpoint level because it has been ignored and there are some, there is some real value there in some of the new products that are are able to automate and streamline some of the the approaches that were kind of dismissed in the past because they seemed like too too heavy a lift so that's where let our me, focus is
0: let me let me let me pick one thing out of what you just said so there's definitely an ongoing conversation in many groups and around the MSP channel uh, or it channel that is around uh, cybersecurity frameworks, right. And NIST and CMMC, but there's been a lot of, you know, kind of leaning to CMMC. So for people who don't understand what that is, could you maybe give a, you know, a layman's term of what that is. And, and then I want to talk to you a little bit about like, for example, for the people who are talking about CMMC as the defining framework that we should be following, regardless, they're saying, forget one, two, they're saying three, four, like they're, they're looking at the higher end as the standard because the beginning part of CMMC is just barely, you know, like you, you don't even have the building blocks to call yourself an MSP kind of thing. So go ahead. Let's, let's, yeah. let's take your opinion on that.
1: And I'll confess, I'm going to give you the one layer above layman's version of this because that's where I'm at. We've got a federal division that's spending a heck of a lot of time on it right now. And we're going to be hosting a session with uh, Katie Arrington, who is basically responsible for CMMC. Oh, when is that? And
0: where can people watch it? Because you're have going to y- want to go to that.
1: We have yet to book it, but um, she has made a commitment that she's going to appear with us and talk about it in detail. So, so here's what I know about CMMC. It's Cybersecurity Maturity Model Certification. And this was more or less the standard that DOD, Department of Defense suppliers would have to meet from a cybersecurity perspective if they wanted to do business with the Department of Defense. And it, I believe what, we're at five layers? Is there six layers? It, I think there's five, five
0: right now, yeah.
1: A, a lot of the talk you're hearing is if you're not already at one and two, what have you been doing? It, to your point, right, it's the basics. Three, four, and five is, is really where you need to be, and that's where most people are going to be aiming. Here's the, here's the, the opportunity, and I, I've used the word a lot, but that's, this is what I'm looking for for my partners. Um, I, I find it interesting that CMMC is not only gonna be this, this framework or this guide for the, that federal space, But we've even had conversations with organizations that are going to use CMMC as a framework to introduce cybersecurity best practice into the SMB space. Mm. And there's even an initiative around working with the Small Business Administration uh, around trying to drive it that way. So all of a sudden, if you think about MSPs and all all of your SMB customers or potential customers, now you're going to have this CMMC framework that, hey, if it's good enough for the federal government. And what they're doing, it sure should be good enough for you as a small business owner as well. And here's how I can get you to these levels. Maybe we can get you to three. We should already have you at one or two, but here's how we can take some steps above and beyond. Now, our product happens to fit into those layers very well, so we're going to champion it all day long. But I, I think there's, again, there's value in these frameworks and and, and guidance beyond uh, uh, beyond just that federal space at least.
0: No, fair enough. Yeah. So if anybody hasn't had a chance or hasn't heard of it, Google it. There's a lot of information out there. It's like a pyramid, right? Where you're trying to get to the top. Uh, I hadn't heard of it until this year, right? When COVID hit really, because I, I wasn't necessarily dealing on anything I'm working on, on the federal government space, but it's very interesting to hear where existing MSPs who have already stumbled into suppliers that feed the federal government from a defense standpoint got sucked into this framework, right? So this is like the, uh, remember when Home Depot, the HVAC contractors login got hacked and then all of a sudden all the Home Depot's system got you know put online and you know you know credit cards and whatever so basically it's not hey you know you shouldn't have to worry about this if you're not dealing with the federal government it's if you're dealing with a company that is supplying them you're gonna get sucked into it anyway and that's why people number one were like well we should pay attention to this number two is hey you know there's no one standard right the standard kind of like happens over time with what people adopt, but this is very clear, right? There's not a lot of ambiguity in what these phases are and what each level means and how to kind of comply. So, yeah, very interesting topic for sure.
1: So I think, you know, to your point about the, I think this requires some momentum. I think it's going to take some time, but if it keeps moving the way I, I feel like it's going to move, I think we'll have MSPs, you're gonna hear about it from your customers. Your customers might be asking. Maybe their insurance provider right, wants to know where where they fall on the CMMC spectrum at some point. So uh, hopefully, again, this is gonna be something that the customers are leading with and MSPs are just able to fulfill.
0: No, very interesting. And it'd be interesting to see if it's affordable for small business to comply uh, but I got to think and, and, you know, this has been discussed in many groups, but I'm just going to reiterate it here. Um, I believe the insurance industry is probably one that's going to force the agenda because the cyber secure, whoever's re-upped on their cybersecurity questions recently. Yeah, it's not a half page document anymore, guys, or a one page document. It's getting really granular, right? Because these payouts are starting to, to increase in terms of what's being covered. No doubt. Um, it's like so the, security, the insurance industry, number one. And then, you know, like they have their own team of people, right? Like if you are covered with cyber uh, liber, uh, cyber liability insurance, which a lot of people are, when there's an issue, you got to pick up the phone and call them first, right? To get this process started right away. And they got a whole team of people and a, a list of vendors behind them, right? So there is a little bit of an industry popping up there on that end, right? With like ransomware negotiators and all right. sorts of crazy stuff that I never heard of until COVID, by the way. Um, because it's just popping up more and more, uh, but I think the other industry that's yeah, you know, there's certain other industries that are already forcing the agenda. Banking, which I was shocking to hear what you said earlier. Um, uh, so financial services, right? Um, and medical, right? Everybody's heard of HIPAA compliance. They can argue how effective it is and you know what have you, but that's definitely out there. But it'd be very interesting to see. I feel like the credit card processing industry is pretty deep down this road because they're getting hit on the fraud stuff too, right?
1: Yeah, I, I think you're exactly right. I think it's just a matter of time before each vertical feels whatever pain threshold, right? They, they cross where where this stuff has to be addressed. And yeah, I, I think you're spot on. I think uh, anything financial there, super sensitive.
0: So let's, let's zoom in real quick into the layered services just to make sure maybe we're all talking the same thing. Mm-hmm. There's like four or five things that I think are in, in this layer. I mean, obviously, Firewall UTM has been around for some time. I don't think putting in a Linksys router from Best Buy is the replacement. You should have something there. Um, now, you know, I'm going to put in here some sort of antivirus, anti-malware. Sometimes they're separate products, right? You know, that seems to be you know, 1A, 1B, or 2A, 2B. Three is, and it seems to be a lot around compliances, encryption at the device level, right? Like mm-hmm. disk encryption, whole disk encryption um and then the other one that comes to mind is some sort of dns filtering protection spoofing right and spam filtering click you know filtering right from your emails that's number five i i call that the foundational five from a layering standpoint right now you want to add um uh education right you know which is like hey i want to you know make sure you understand what you're doing i want to do some some fish testing with you that kind of stuff i'll put that as number six what am i missing from that staff is there more that should be out there
1: i think you've hit it i i think the the missing component and again i'm thinking about it from a standpoint of of taking this out and presenting this to a business owner of here
0: oh, oh, oh here. multi-factor authentication forgot
1: there you go multi-factor absolutely definitely necessary I'm thinking about it from a perspective of going out to a business owner to say, Here, here's what I'm going to do, and I'm going to help take care of, of all of this, is to be able to, to map out from almost a, a policy standpoint or give suggestions about how this is all going to work. And, and it goes back to our, our, our discussion about how do you, you know, how does the help desk support 50 employees at are home that are all plugging in on their kids' laptops? And what can they look at? What can they not look at? What can they touch? What can they not touch? I, I think a lot, of, a lot of small and medium-sized business owners have no idea where to even start. I agree. So, so if all this can be tied up in a nice, neat bow and from you know, what you mentioned all the way through multi-factor and then combine it with Mr. Business Owner or Mrs. Business Owner, here's the policies that we're going to have to uh, have you put in place from an HR standpoint in combination with what we're doing, then we're going to ensure business continuity then you're not going to have to worry about anything, but all of this needs to be done in, in cooperation uh, with you and all of your employees and done at once. It, it can't be hit or miss. Um,
0: so, so, so this and- falls in line with Mauricio who, who actually chatted in It's perfect timing. So how do you, well, what, what ammunition do you bring to the table? How do you convince, encourage, um, position, uh, upper management to provide the funding so that the resources can be installed to train the staff on security. Like, what is the you know what are the top you know one or two things they can like literally bust through the door, Kramer edition, into the owner's office and say, we need to do this.
1: I'm a big advocate for you can't sell on fear, but you can sell on risk, and you can sell on what what genuine risk is. A lot of these a lot of these people are seeing the headlines. They're seeing the ransomware headlines, or they've heard about somebody down the street that got hit. But I, I think it's it's bringing that awareness to the table of, of here is what what is on the line. And I'm not doing this to scare you. I'm not doing this to, to cause un, undue fear. But this is the real risk based on what I've evaluated with your organization. Now I've got in place here exactly what we're going to to need to do to, to address this. Um, but we're going to have to do it comprehensively. You can't just do this piecemeal and if, if you can't take this and can't take it as a whole, I can't have you as, as a customer. But this is the reality. There are small, small businesses being hit by ransomware every day that are being forced to shut down. Everybody's been using that line, but it, it's real and it's actually happening. And there's no sign that any of these ransomware threats are going anywhere, right? As long as there's money to be made, this stuff is going to continue. There's no doubt about it. And the attack vector is, the surface is much bigger now because of the work from home. So I think it's a, it's a matter of, of educating uh, these folks as you walk in the door and and being super honest with them and trying to understand what they're, what they're trying to accomplish. I think the other thing Jay uh, at Forrester is a big advocate for right now is getting to know what your customers' plans are going forward. Do they intend to maintain a headquarters? Are they going to shut the headquarters down and go 100% virtual? Mm-hmm. Uh, really being able to understand that and then... Customize or, or give them the the solution that's going to enable that I, I, unfortunately too many too many partners are out there having generic conversations without really understanding what the intent of their their customer is or what their future uh, is given the uncertainty right now
0: let me let me let me let me ask another question on this topic, right? So Mauricio came and said, Well, what ammunition do I have to go in and convince you know ownership management to spend money' We talked about now seven, eight things, right? You know, we can we counted them, we can go over them again if you want, right? We talked about UTM, endpoint protection, malware, DNS, multi-factor, uh, encryption, training, um, staff, HR policies, and I'm missing one, but there's a, another one in there. There's, there's a lot of products across the space that cover all of these segments and they're all at different price points. Some are enterprise products trying to come down. Some are other products trying to come up, whatever it is. Uh, what is the g- genuine ballpark price point to cover these things? Like, it's all over the map, from my opinion. Is it uh, $20 a user? Is it $100 a user? Is it $50 a business? Is it $1,500 a business? Like, how do you qualify or quantify these items here?
1: That's a great question, and you know what? It's it, it's probably uh, smarter people than, than me that are going to answer. You know, the Gary Picas of the world have have a pretty solid formula about where you should be as you're as you're putting this stack together, and where it needs to be from a margin perspective. Um, I I will proudly say that as a piece of that, you know, our pricing right now per endpoint starts south of a dollar per endpoint per month. So we. To, to that end, we try to be an easy part of that solution that means high value, high margin. Unfortunately, I think there are a lot of products out there that don't, don't fit that category. They cost a heck of a lot and they require a heck of a lot in terms of resource as well. So this goes back to these conversations we're having with partners that I think are reevaluating. man, what am I paying for and what am I getting and I have few, five fewer employees now because I'm just trying to survive as a business owner as well. What, what is more efficient and, and what can I sustain and still deliver a, a level of, of service that my customers expect? So you know, how to arrive at that number I I would defer to to really really smart people like like Gary Pika who's the god what the godfather of MSPs is what I was told.
0: I don't know um, about the god. I don't know if I give him that name. But okay, <laughs> fine. he's from Philly too, so he can. That's okay. We're both Philly guys. There you go. Uh, I'll send him a cheesesteak if he's. Mm-hmm. Um, but I hear you. He's been around for a while, and he and he obviously consulted a lot of MSPs around the world. So I you know it just seems like that number is all over the map, and I think yeah. that's part of the challenge with msps trying to sell security focused solutions because like every business has a threshold of what like you know they say the general thought is every business should take one percent of their gross revenue annually should be toward towards technology it doesn't sound like a lot but at the, that's like the starting point right one percent so if you're a million dollar business do the math take one percent you know, that should be the starting point for technology, not less. You know, obviously, as it grows, that number grows with it. Um, security, obviously, has added probably, you know, some additional juice to that percentage, right? And, um, you know, because now what you do is you rope in all the security services, which also fall into insurance, which also falls into, you know you know, cloud and backup and all that other stuff falls into it. So it'd be very interesting to see over the next let's call it january 1 2022 where we went from now until then and where that math changed um, because i do think a lot of people are struggling to um, you know to Mauricio's point validate what it is i mean i guess there you know it's worth going and taking every news news segment that's been put out on this for the last 6 8 12 months and say here it is if you don't believe me you know but um, I think that there's a real real conversation on what the threshold is where somebody will say, Hey, you know what? That makes sense. Just do it versus, you know, the argument of, I just don't find value. Um, so I'm very, very curious to see as we move forward where that demarcation point is.
1: I think there are a lot of unknowns. I mean, I- to to that end, I think there are a lot of unknowns about the economy. I I don't think we completely understand the impact we're gonna we're gonna feel. I think in the next two months will tell us a lot, but yeah, it will be interesting to see exactly what the market can sustain and, and what it does for pricing. So, hundred percent,
0: Corey. Where do people find PCmatic, yourself, your team? How do they get involved? And also unless you're going to send it to me and I can send it out, where do they find that soon to be posted panel with the CMMC people on the government side?
1: Sure. So um, all the information about our MSP platform and our partner program is PCmatic.com MSP. So PCmatic.com MSP. You can email me directly. It's Corey, C-O-R-E-Y at PCmatic.com. We're on all the social platforms. I'm a big LinkedIn guy, so it's easy to find me out there on LinkedIn. We've also got a PCMatic corporate page out there. We're on Twitter. It's at PCMatics, our, our handle. Anything we're going to do from an online session standpoint, promotion standpoint, it's it's all out there, including the CMMC session. I know we're still trying to firm up a date on it. I, I think it's it's going to be a really interesting dive with someone who's directly responsible for the program. And then... I think it's up to us in the community to unpack what it means for MSPs and the, the channel. Um, the framework's gonna be there and, and then we can you know build a discussion around that. So that's our intention is to to really organize the session that way. It might even break into to one or two. And then we yeah. do uh, weekly, uh, sometimes even bi-weekly sessions where we bring in a lot of our friends in the security space. We're talking to people in the channel. We're talking to, to friends in the sales and marketing space as well. We continue to try to share all that with our partner community. They, they've asked for it year over year in every survey we do. This year, since there's no trade shows, hey, everybody's got time to actually follow through and produce the content now. So
0: For sure, I, we're all just waiting for a trade shift (laughs) now to come back someday uh one day one day well Corey, i appreciate you for coming on everyone thanks for watching again this is recorded this session will be posted online uh very shortly thereafter so if you want to go back rewind pick apart a couple of things we talked about feel free to do so uh we'll watch out for Corey's announcement on this uh you know soon to be upcoming session with cmmc people i think that'll be really interesting to uh you know follow up with and again, Tuesdays and Thursdays, 1 o'clock Eastern, join us back here. And we're continuing our series at the MSP Initiative. Thanks for watching, everyone. And thanks for coming, Court. Thanks, George. Have a good one.